What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 10 Minute Drill. AJ and I are going to be breaking down the home run derby, talking Jeffrey Loria and some NBA free agency and summer league talk. Stay tuned. All right, tonight's the home run derby. AJ and I are going to go through the bracket and you're going to find out who we think the winner is going to be by the end of it. First, let's start off with John Carlos Stanton against Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez, of course, was, I wouldn't say blasted by Logan Morrison, but saying, hey, why is he in the home run derby? He's missed half the season. He only has 14 home runs. How come he gets to be in it? AJ, who you got between Stanton and Sanchez? I'm taking Stanton in this one, and I really don't think it's going to be that close because this is Stanton's going to be, want to put on a show for the home crowd. Obviously, he's the defending champ, number one seed. So, like you said, Gary Sanchez, 14 home runs on the year. People are saying, why should he be in it? And he's going up against John Carlos Stanton, one of the best power hitters in the game. All right, I'm taking Stanton too, but I do think it's going to be closer than people realize. Gary Sanchez did bust onto the scene late last year and was incredible for the Yankees. I think he's a very good power hitter, but I don't think he's a John Carlos Stanton. I think he kind of keeps it close, but I'm taking Stanton on this one. Next, same bracket, we got Mike Moustakis of the Royals against Miguel Sano. AJ, what do you got? I'm taking Sano up, going up against the Moose, Mike Moustakis. You know, Moose has 25 homers on the year to Sano's 21. But I really just think Miguel Sano is going to come out and put on a show. You know, I think this is going to be like you're seeing the home run derby. It's going to go towards the young guys now. A lot of young contestants, Sano, Judge, Bellinger, and all these guys. So I think it's going to play towards that. So I'm taking Sano to beat Moustakis in round one. I'm going to disagree with you, AJ. I'm going to go with Moustakis here. So, no, I just think he hits the ball really effing hard, and he's more of a line drive hitter. Yes, he does have 21 home runs, but his swing, I think, is more constituted towards an actual game than a home run derby. So, I'm going to stay. I'm going to take Moustakis in this one. I do like Miguel Sano, but line drive hitter, I, I just feel like he, he's not going to fare too well in the home run derby. On the other side of the bracket, we have Aaron Judge versus Justin Bohr, another Miami Marlin. I think Judge is going to take this easy, hands down. This might be my Yankee bias showing, but I don't think this is going to be close. I think this is the most lopsided matchup of the bracket. What do you think, AJ? Oh, my God, I completely agree. I think it's. I think Aaron Judge is going to win, and it might be more – he might hit more 500-foot home runs than Justin Bohr hits home runs total. <laughs> oh, my God. So like, that's what – I mean, that's what you're looking at. Judge is obviously the overwhelming. He's having a phenomenal year. I think he's going to go out there and put on a show for this home run derby, and I think he cruises in round one. All right, and then he'll face the winner of Cody Bellinger, the rookie phenom from the Dodgers, and Charlie Blackman, who's having a hell of a year for the Colorado Rockies. I'm going to take Charlie Blackman in this one. I know a lot of people have Bellinger. He does have that uppercut swing. He is on fire right now. I just think this might be a little bit of a heart decision. I like Charlie Blackman a lot. He's one of my favorite players in the league right now, and I, I just think that um, he's primed for a nuts, and I think Bellinger's coming in as a rookie. He's going to be a little bit nervous. He might try to force it a little here and there, and he might pop a few balls up. So just a gut reaction, I'm taking Charlie Blackman. What about you? I'm taking Cody Bellinger in this one. Like I said earlier, you know, I think it's, it's shifting more towards the young guys. And 37% of Cody Bellinger's hits on the season are home runs, yeah. 25 of his 67 hits, and that's just insane. So I think you look – I actually really like Charlie Blackman, but – he does always have the benefit, well, not always, but he has the benefit of playing in Colorado for maybe that inflates his home run. Uh, it's a hitter's park, obviously. Yeah. So he does get that benefit a little bit. But I do like Blackman, but I think Bellinger is going to take this one to advance. We're going to skip straight to the finals here and tell you who our final contestants are for the Home Run Derby and our winner. AJ, let's start with you. Who do you got? I'm taking Miguel Sano over John Carlos Stanton Ooh, in the semis. Wow. And I am taking Cody Bellinger over Aaron Judge. What? <laughs> in, in the other semis. So I have Miguel Sano over Cody Bellinger in the final for Sano to win it. And like I said, I said, you know, the young guy, Sano, obviously I, I have a young guy coming out of the other side, and Judge and Bellinger are both young. But I think, you know, Homo Derby, 
you tend to see some surprises and really everyone going into it, it's like, oh, is it going to be Stanton or Judge? What's going to do this? Not to take anything away from what Aaron Judge has done all year. He has been mashing the ball, but I really just think Bellinger's going to get in, into more of a consistent groove going into the second round. And then Sano, I really just think Sano is a good power hitter. And at the same time, he's a good mix of power and line drives. So we can get him out quickly in that time frame. So I think he can take down Stanton in front of Stanton's home crowd. All right, well, I, I'm going to be the simpleton here. I'm having Stanton versus Judge in the finals. I just can't bring myself to pick Moustakis over Stanton. And then I would have Charlie Blackman against Judge, and I just think Judge is way too powerful for that. So I'm going to have Stanton versus Judge, and since I'm a Yankee fan and a homer, I'm taking Aaron Judge to win the home run derby. We saw John Carlos Stanton win it before. I know he's home, but I just think Judge is an absolute monster. I mean, he has he hits with so much power that even a ball he doesn't necessarily get all of is going to leave the ballpark. I think we're going to see a couple 500-foot shots from both him and Stanton. I think it's going to be a classic home run derby, but I'm going to take Aaron Judge in the final. Hey, 10-minute drill. Uh, I got to go with the hometown guy. One of the hometowners. Uh, I'm going to either go with Justin Bohr from the Marlins or John, John Carl Stan. They're probably the heavy favorites, and they got the home crowd. I like to see those guys in. One of them will probably win, but I'm going to have to go with uh, Stanton because he is the defending champ, and I like to see a two-time defending champ. So Stanton. So sticking with baseball here, Marlins owner Jeff Loria is suing some fans for for what AJ for backing out of their season tickets. Is that is that what's going on right here in Miami? Yeah, they're backing out of season ticket contracts. Apparently, when they got their first year, they signed something that said they would renew for more years. And then when they realized it was a horrible product that was on the field, people didn't want to renew. And now, Boria is counter counting them by suing them. That's like what? How many sports franchises can say our owner is suing the fans? No one. I mean, that's insane. That is literally insane. I guess from Loria's standpoint, not that I'm trying to defend him, there's a contractual agreement that they have with these fans, and these fans have to hold up their end of the bargain. But at the same time, if you're the owner of a franchise, you have to put out a product that these fans want. And Loria's known for not doing that, for selling superstars. I just don't understand what is going on. I, it just seems like a total douche move, to be honest with you, because I wish we could sue our own. It's, I mean, James Dolan would be sued a million times over by us Nick fans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that just makes no sense to me. Like you said, there is some contractual obligation, but it's not the fan's job to go out and go to the baseball game. Right. It's Loria's job to put a respectable product on the field that these fans want to go watch. And when no one year after year, when no one wants to go watch the Marlins, why should they be contractually obligated? Like it should have been a little bit in the contract. Like, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to, if we're going to make you commit to buying four years of season tickets, we should have to commit to four years of like putting a win. There should right. be a gray area who says, if we don't win this many games, it's the, it's a wash. But it's just, I mean, you got a guy that's worth $500 million suing a fan so he can take his $97,000 in property that he wants it's back. It's disgusting. I mean, it, it's He's just, it's, I think it's terrible. Yeah, he's suing the fan for possession of his commercial building to recoup the, the funds the Marlins say they lost, which is ridiculous. That is absolutely absurd. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, I wouldn't want to play for this type of owner. I know Marlins fans are frustrated. They had this new ballpark, and they're not even filling it up, which is weird because the Marlins, you know, since I have really started watching baseball, like I guess 94, 95, I'm showing my age a little bit here. Um, you know, they've always been like a weird franchise. They would win the World Series and then suck the next year. They're a very interesting franchise to put your pulse on, but I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not liking this. I think this is going to give a bad taste 
to the fans in Miami about buying season tickets or even supporting that team. It definitely is, and it couldn't come at a worse time with All Star with the All Star game there, home run derby, yeah. the All Star game, everything. And now this is what's getting the attention of the owner suing, not the fact that oh, let's bring the All Star game to Miami. It's the fact that the owner is suing a fan. I'll tell you what, that guy's not going to the home run, to the home run derby tonight. Oh no, absolutely. And even if he does have a case in court, why would you sue a fan? I mean, the the repercussions of you suing a fan is going to hurt you way more than you gaining the funds for lose uh, for the money that you lost. I mean, yeah, you might win that case in court, but then you're gonna have a bunch of fans who are like, "Screw this! I'm not even a Marlins fan anymore. Why should I even root for these guys? This owner's a douche." So I don't. He, I think he's playing a very short game here. He's very short sighted, and I hope he gets what's coming to him. Yeah, I completely agree. You're just giving fans that already hate you more reason to hate you. Yep. AJ and I want to know if you could sue a GM, who would you sue, and what would you sue them for? Call in with your responses. NBA news over the weekend that Josh and I are going to talk about. Avery Bradley traded from the Boston Celtics along with a second-round pick to the Detroit Pistons for Marcus Morris. This is obviously for cap-based reasons, but I'm going to say that I hate this trade. Like I'm just going to come flat out and say it. I don't like it at all for the Boston Celtics. Avery Bradley was the best on-ball defender on that team. He was very underrated offensively. The, the one game they did win against the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals was without Isaiah, but Bradley was the one that hit that game-winning shot. Bradley knocks down shots. He's the lockdown defender on the ball. And they just replaced They just traded him and Marcus Morris and a pick for Marcus Morris, a guy that isn't really going to fill any of what Avery Bradley did. So, Josh, what were your reactions to that trade? No, I completely agree. I actually don't like what the Boston Celtics are doing right now. I mean, I understand you want to go after Gordon Hayward. That's nice, but then you have to fill your roster around people who can complement Gordon Hayward. And I think Avery Bradley, who was Ainge's one of his one of his favorite players, so I'm shocked that he actually decided to trade him. I would have traded Crowder over him or even Marcus Smart. Uh, I don't know. This team is, is shaping up to be a very interesting team. I don't know how they're going to play together, especially with Tatum. Now, Tatum likes you know, to shoot the ball. He doesn't really move the ball, as you can see in Summer League. He is good, but he had zero assists last game. He doesn't really play within the flow of the offense. Marcus Morris, he just kind of shoots threes, but doesn't really do anything else. So I, I don't know what identity they're forming here. And if I'm a Celtic fan, yes, I'm happy I have all this talent, but I don't know how they're going to use this talent. Uh, there are a lot of question marks right now, so I, I don't like the trade at all. I think Avery Bradley is one of those glue guys that you have on your team that every team needs to be successful, and they just gave him away. I would have 100% traded Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart before I traded Avery Bradley. Because I, I would like a lineup far more if it was Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, and then whoever you want to throw in at power forward than I do. Isaiah Thomas, Gordon Hayward, Jay Crowder, Marcus Morris, Al Horford. I, I love that lineup with Avery Bradley far more than the one without him. So I think the Boston Celtics made a mistake by trading Avery Bradley, and I think it was a good move by the Pistons, who then in turn renounced the rights to Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who yep. as a free agent that we thought was going to be staying in Detroit. But I don't blame them for renouncing his rights when they got Avery Bradley for Marcus Morris. Yeah. So where's he going? Where do you think he goes? KCP? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Nets are the Nets are going to back the truck up for him because yeah. the Wizards matched Otto Porter's offer sheet. So that's the easy answer because the Nets need the young talent. Really, I mean, they're going to overpay for him, but granted, everyone is overpaid for in the league in the free agency right now. So it's not as uh, it's not as bad as the Knicks paying seventy one million to your boy Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> yeah, let's get into that a little bit. I don't understand that man. You let him go, and then you bring him back for seventy one million dollars. I mean, he's not even. Don't get me wrong. He had a nice season, but is he worth $71 million? Absolutely not. I mean, is he even a starter right now? I mean, I think he started towards the end of the season for Atlanta, but he more 
or so came off the bench. I liked Tim Hardaway. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy he's on the team, but not for $71 million. I mean, the contracts they have tied up right now are crazy. Him, Joe Kim Noah, even Courtney Lee. They're paying all these average players a lot of money. I have no idea what the Knicks are doing, man. It makes no sense to me. $143 million combined for Hardaway and Joe Kim Noah. We have a call from Jesse about Kelly Olynyk signing with the Miami Heat. So let's let's listen to what Jesse has to say. Hey man, I think that uh, Kelly's a pretty decent player actually. I don't think uh, I don't know if he's worth that kind of money though. That's for sure. But he's a decent player. He's shown some signs of greatness in a couple of games. That one game he had against Cleveland was amazing um, in the series. And then, um, but when you watch him play all year, he plays hard. He doesn't take a playoff, and that's what I like about him. He's a, he's a great hustler. Um, you know, he's no uh, worse than than uh, Petulia, the guy that hurt Kawhi Leonard. Um, uh, he's kind of a dirty player sometimes, but he plays hard too. Jesse, thanks for the call. And I got to say, I, I disagree. I don't like the contract. I don't think Olenek is worth the $50 million over the four years, even though we just talked about how free agents are getting overpaid. I really just don't see what Kelly Olenek really brings to that that much to the table for this Miami Heat team. And you know, how he's a backup center. He's not going to play at the same time as Whiteside, and Whiteside's the guy you want to have on the floor a lot. So I don't really see – I know you talked about his – exploding capability he can step out and shoot three we saw him do that in the playoffs but i just don't like kelly olenek as a player i don't think he brings much to the table so i really don't like the heat paying all this money for him after they paid only two million more for Dion waiters i mean i thought i think Dion waiters is far more valuable than kelly olenek was and they essentially got the same contract josh what do you think i kind of agree with you i do like kelly olenek as a player maybe more than you do i don't think he's worth that much money though i think that's where we agree and i don't think he's any anybody that's going to make such a big difference for a team like the miami heat yes you bring back waiters because he was a big part of what you did last year in the second half of the season but kelly olenek is what his win share is gonna be like what maybe one or two games he's not going to put you over the top he's not going to make it he's not going to be a difference maker yes he can shoot the three a little bit he's annoying he's a dirty player and i think sometimes teams do need that a la draymond green and you know i can think of like charles oakley back in the day with the knicks and things like that i think those are good players to have but i wouldn't pay was it 50 million you said aj 50 million dollars yeah that's yeah that's a lot of money and especially with all the free agents that were out there during this period uh, and you settle for kelly olenek i that's a loss to me man i i like kelly uh, maybe more than AJ, but I, I wouldn't have signed him for that much money. Yeah, and Jesse touched on it too. He's a dirty player just like Zaza, but Zaza making $2 million? Uh, Zaza, I don't even know, but I would be surprised if he's making that much. <laughs> exactly. So you're paying all this money to a guy that's, in my mind, is a dirty player and not a great, not even a good one at that. So <laughs> I just don't think Olympic was worth it. All right, so the NBA Summer League is well on its way. I guess just a generalization, we'll have like a little conversation about it, AJ. What stood out to you the most so far in the Summer League? Definitely Dennis Smith Jr. to me. I think he, Dennis Smith, averaging 19 and a half, seven and a half rebounds, five assists per game on 50% shooting. And he was a guy, he went number nine to the Mavericks. And your New York Knicks could have had him. Josh, I know. Passed on him. But I think he's really going out, he's putting on a show, and he's he, he's out to prove that he was one of the best point guard prospects in this draft. You know, he was coming off the torn ACL at for his first year at NC State, but he is a freak athlete, and just to see him go out and play that well has really impressed me because all the point guard prospects that were getting the hype were Fox, uh, Fultz, Ball. Luckily for the Sixers, Markel Fultz, the injury scare was just a sprained ankle. He's going to be fine, but they shut him down for the summer league. 
yeah, I, I'm going to tell you what's impressed me. I think all these draft picks have impressed me. Yeah, outside of Lonzo's first game, which was a disaster, they've all played well. They all seem like they're going to be able to contribute to their teams right away. I mean, De'Aaron Fox played well. Tatum has probably been the best player. Outside, maybe him and Dennis Smith, you can make a case. You know, Ball had a triple-double in the second game. Everyone's looking good right now. I mean, even Jalen Brown, he's his second year, but like... You can tell that him and Tatum are developing some type of chemistry that can shape the Celtics' future. So I think the league is in good hands with the future. Dwayne Wade actually tweeted that. He said that the NBA's uh, young guys are, you know, making this league in good hands. So I think that's what stood out to me. I'm really surprised at how deep this draft has been and how well, you know, and how early they've they've been playing. I mean, I I didn't expect this much of an impact right away because you usually don't see it. Yeah, I try not to look too much into the Summer League because it is Summer League. True. Fun, interesting fact for tonight is Lonzo Ball is sitting out his rematch from <laughs> UCLA, Kentucky versus the Fox. And I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Lonzo's a little scared, but now I'm sure it's uh, for injury reasons. But that was one that... If you're looking forward to a matchup of the Summer League, it would have been Lonzo Ball versus De'Aaron Fox, and now here they are resting Lonzo. One month removed from the NBA season, we're still talking about people resting. All the early picks have looked good, but really Jalen Brown has, Jalen Brown too, he has proved that he really doesn't need to be playing in the Summer League. I mean, he saw not significant minutes, but I mean, it'll be interesting to see how him and Tatum can share the floor when they both get up to Boston after they trade Avery Bradley there. And even Kuzma had 31 points the other day. I mean, everyone was talking about Lonzo Ball's triple-double, but Kuzma from Utah, I believe, he had 31 points. So, I mean, these these uh, draftees are putting it in work. It's nice to see that the NBA has a bright future. Yeah, don't sleep on the Hornets either. Dwayne Bacon had 29 and one Yeah. Game.